0: this is the podcast is that even legal i'm your host bob sewell today's guest is russ richelsoff russ is an attorney at davis miles mcguire gardner He's a graduate of Arizona State University. He's quoted all over the local and national news for a variety of criminal law subjects. He's considered an expert in the field. He's a personal friend. So Russ, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Bob. Good to be here.
0: Okay, so I have heard a lot about self-defense recently over the past decade, really. It's really become a hot issue in criminal law. And and I I am I'm frustrated about the things I hear because they don't sound right to me, and and sometimes people talk about it, and I think really that's is that the law on self defense, and so I'm hoping you'll share with us some insights today about self defense and about how it's actually employed in the law. Um, so let's begin, Russ, Some of the, one of the, like, I previously stated that there's, it's been all over the news, Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman. That was possibly the most famous self-defense case. And uh, in that case, something that arose and something the media really globbed onto was something called stand your ground. What is the intersection between stand your ground and self-defense? What Where do those two things collide?
1: So... Arizona is a stand-your-ground state. So we do have a stand-your-ground law in Arizona. All that stand-your-ground means is that you do not have a duty to retreat. So if you're prosecuted, a prosecutor can't argue to a jury that you should have just left. Okay, so is that different from self-defense then? It's part of self-defense.
0: Okay, so the two
1: things are... Together, right. It, it, what stand your ground does is it limits the arguments a a prosecutor could make to a jury or a court. Does Arizona have one of those? Yes, Arizona has stand your ground.
0: Do most states have stand your ground, or is this unique to Arizona?
1: Um, I would say some states have stand your ground. Florida has stand your ground. Arizona has stand your ground. I believe Texas has stand your ground. Um, most of the southern states have Stand Your Ground, and most of the northern states, I don't know, probably, I don't believe the states in the northeast have Stand Your Ground.
0: What, why is this controversial? It just seems to make sense that I, that I don't have to retreat. But what's, the, what's the alternative to Stand Your Ground?
1: I think the reason why stand your ground is controversial is because the um when these cases that you mentioned were taking place the news media made a big deal out of it. Okay. And it they made stand your ground sound like you could be aggressive in oh, shooting okay. people, you know, and using deadly force. That's not what stand your ground is at all. So it, there's a misunderstanding, it's been miscommunicated to the public what Stand Your Ground actually is.
0: Yeah, one of the things I hear a lot of people say is, um, you know, when it comes to self-defense, that was a good shoot. I could shoot that guy at that moment. And they seem to be really cavalier about it. Uh, have you ever heard
1: people do this? All the time. I I occasionally do seminars on self-defense and I, I always get hands raised giving me fact patterns where if this is if this guy's in this situation, can I shoot him? And if this guy's in that situation, can I shoot him? And that's really the wrong approach to take to self-defense. What's the right approach? The right approach is to only use deadly force when it's your last option. Okay. Why is that the right approach? Even if you are legally justified in using deadly force, you know, first of all, taking the life of another human being is not a pleasant experience. Okay. Uh, if you talk to anyone who's done it, and I've talked to a lot of police officers, um, I've talked to a lot of veterans, it stays with you. It changes you as a person. Okay. So, so it, it's not a macho thing. Um, I would say that's number one. The second thing is you are being asked to make very important decisions in a very short period of time. Self-defense situations don't usually give you time to contemplate the law. Okay. Um, you're, if you're in a true self-defense situation, you just need to act to protect yourself. So, if you do have time to contemplate the situation, you're, you're probably not in a self-defense situation. Um, hmm. You know,
0: you've successfully defended people who have been accused of crimes, and you defended based on self-defense. I know that because we, we were personal friends. And sometimes, you, you know, sometimes quite often, you have been successful on self-defenses. Have you ever had a client that said, "By golly, I was really glad I went through that experience."
1: No. So, a typical self-defense case, um, to get it to trial can be, um, if if it's a deadly force case, could be two to three years from when the event happens to when it actually goes to trial. In that two to three years, you will probably pay me in excess of $100,000 to defend it. Oh, You will be um, constantly thinking about the possibility of going to prison, which if a jury doesn't agree with you, you will be facing going to prison. Um, It's a very stressful event, and the aftermath of a self-defense shooting can be also very stressful, especially if the police don't agree with your view of the situation. What do you mean by that?
0: Why, why is the aftermath of the self defense?
1: Um, people lose their jobs. Um, people go to prison. If the jury doesn't believe your version of the story or they don't see it from your point of view, they don't think that you are reasonable in the situation, you're going to prison. Um, so that hangs over your head for two to three years that's going to be constantly on your mind while the case works its way through the legal process. Do you get to keep your guns? You will definitely, the firearm that was used in the self-defense situation will definitely be taken as evidence by the police. Um, Depending on the disposition of the case, you may not get that back ever. Um, With regards to your other guns, if you are charged with a felony... Um, you're not permitted to possess guns while the case is pending. Okay.
0: So this is not something I should be cavalier about. This is something that I should take seriously, that I should look at seriously. Let's look at it seriously. What's the difference between, first of all, force
1: and deadly force? So, Arizona law distinguishes um, force and deadly force. I mean, force is just basically non-deadly force. So, um, if I'm at a bar and and a guy shoves me, that's force. Uh, If I'm at a bar and a guy pulls a knife on me, that's deadly force.
0: Okay. Okay. What if... What if... And and by... um, what if I'm at a bar, and Frank, the guy sitting, um, uh, seated next to me, mm-hmm. he and I get into an argument. He brandishes a weapon. He shows me his gun. It's in the holster. It's in the holster. Is that deadly force? Can and do I and can I respond with with force or deadly force?
1: It. D- gonna give you a lawyer answer it depends it depends on the context um in arizona you are allowed to display a firearm if you are um in order to persuade somebody not to use force against you okay so if somebody is threatening you in arizona um and you have let's say you have a gun in a holster you're permitted you could pull your jacket back and say hey i have a gun you don't want this to go any further than it has to. Um, That is permitted in Arizona. The question is whether or not you would be able to remove the gun from the holster, point it at the person, and then actually pull the trigger. Each one of those steps is going to be scrutinized. So whether or not you could display the firearm and tell the person I have a firearm, that's going to be scrutinized. If you remove the weapon from the holster, that's going to be scrutinized. If you point it at the person, that's going to be scrutinized. And then if you pull the trigger, that as well. So each step is going to be scrutinized as to whether or not it was reasonable in that situation to take those steps.
0: So Frank shows me his weapon. I respond with, I have a gun too, or... Can, what are the, my valid responses to show me the weapon? I mean, there's a the practical response. Walk away, right?
1: That's the best thing to do. Walk away. Right. The, the, the best response in that kind of situation is if, if you can safely remove yourself from the situation, remove yourself from the situation. That's going to save you a whole lot of trouble in the long run. Okay.
0: What about if Frank verbally says I'm going to shoot you you son of a gun am I justified in force or deadly force in response to Frank?
1: Um, probably not with just words alone so words are kind of tricky so if, if Frank says Bob you're a scoundrel and a jerk um, and he hurts your feelings Hurt feelings are not justification for the use of deadly force. Um, With regards to a very specific threat, again, it's going to be looked at in what was reasonable in the situation. If he's saying, I'm going to shoot you at some later, and he's implying it's going to happen at some later date, that would not justify the use of deadly force because in order for deadly force to be justified it has to be immediately necessary the threat has to be right now so if it's just words and if it's just bob i'm going to shoot you um, and he's not pointing a weapon at you then not immediately necessary and probably not justified so
0: i I think i'm getting this frank has to do more than talk is that what what you're saying that's
1: exactly right
0: Frank has to be reaching for the gun. It's coming out of the holster. I'm it looks like he's going to start pointing the you know, he's going to take some affirmative steps before I can use some sort of response.
1: Yes, and it's it's tricky because there's no you know, at what point does Frank cross the line where you're justified to use deadly force? That can depend on you know what? Which police officers respond when this whole after this whole thing goes down, and if the police officers don't agree with you, it could depend on which jurors are you know show up that day um, for your trial to determine whether or not it it's justified. So in self defense, there's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of you know there's some stuff that's black and there's some stuff that's white, but all that stuff in between is hard to answer specifically. Hmm.
0: What if what if someone shoves me they're not they don't have a gun let's say you know let's say I'm uh, six feet tall and you know a four foot five young man shoves me that's force he's using he's using uh, he's assaulted me can I respond what with some sort of force and what would be appropriate in that situation
1: well what is appropriate is to stop the threat Um, and this is how police officers are trained police officers are trained to stop the threat Um, when they're asked questions about the use of deadly force police officers are trained to say I was I did what I needed to do until I stopped the threat so if this four-foot-tall person shoves you, um, if they're coming back to shove you again, um, you can use physical force, not deadly force, but you can use physical force to protect yourself and prevent them from doing that again.
0: Okay. So I can't respond with the nuclear weapon. He shoves me, boom, I can't do that. I can't shoot. No. I have to have some sort of appropriate response.
1: Right. It has to be reasonable.
0: Because that's one of the things I often will hear is, that's a good shoot. He shot me. He was the aggressor. It would have been a good shoot. I could have killed that guy. I hear this really cavalier stuff. And it's just not true, is it?
1: No. There's a lot of macho talk around this kind of thing. There's a lot of guys who like to talk tough about what they would do in a self-defense situation. But you don't really know until you're actually in the situation how you're going to respond.
0: Yeah. I have heard that some people, even when they felt like they did the right thing to defend themselves, wish they would have figured out a way to get out of it.
1: In all of the cases where I've represented somebody in a self-defense situation, by by the end of the case, they wish that they had... Responded differently in that they wish they had just removed themselves from the situation. And keep in mind, I'm talking about cases where the police and the prosecutors didn't agree that the use of force was necessary, but maybe the jury in the end did agree that the use of force was justified. Um, Even after an acquittal, after the jury says not guilty, people regret. The entire situation—two to three years going through the court process, and and um, you know the legal fees involved, the potential civil liability. I mean, you could be found not guilty in a criminal court, right. uh, but because the burden of proof in a criminal court is beyond a reasonable doubt, you can still be sued in civil court where the burden of proof is just preponderance of the evidence.
0: Yeah, so I can, I can win the criminal case as a defendant and then lose the civil case and be out tons of money.
1: It's exactly what happened to O.J. Simpson. He was acquitted on the murder of his wife, but in the civil case, he was found responsible. Hmm.
0: One of the things that I'm curious about with regard to self-defense is it's not just self-defense. Like for example, I understand I can intervene if I have a loved one or I'm in a restaurant and I see someone get assaulted, can I use, can I, even though I'm not part of that altercation, can I
1: jump in and help? And in what way? You can jump in and help. Um, Again, it's a reasonableness standard. So if some guy is smacking a woman around, um, you can jump in and use physical force to stop him. You can't use deadly force to stop him. Um, I always caution people, when you're going into a situation like that, you don't really know what's going on. Um, Jumping into any police officer can tell you that a domestic violence situation is the most dangerous situation for police officers to get into because the couple can be fighting with each other, but as soon as somebody intervenes, both of them, can end up turning on (laughs) you. (laughs) That's rough. Yeah, so you can end up getting yourself into a very dangerous situation. The best thing to do in that situation is to call the police. So call 911. Right, it's in most situations where people are thinking they should use a gun, they really should just be using their phone.
0: Okay, so let's sum up. What's the decision tree I'm going to be using in a self-defense case?
1: It, to use self-defense, to use physical force or deadly physical force against another person, what should be on your mind, and this isn't the law, but this is, if you want to avoid this whole aftermath mess um, that comes from the legal process of going through a self-defense situation, um, what should be going through your mind is, do I have any other choice? M. Am I in fear, you know, with deadly force, am I in fear of being killed or seriously injured? Um, If the answer is no. You have no other choice. Right. You have to be in a situation where you have no other choice. When you, when the decision, the decision should be, the decision tree should be, if I don't do something, I'm going to die or somebody else is going to die or get seriously hurt. Frank's coming at me with a bat
0: he's raising the bat. I have a gun. I, he's going to levy that blow and it looks like it's gonna hurt. It looks like I could get seriously injured. I might die. And then I could use physical force or deadly force.
1: That's a situation where deadly force would probably be justified.
0: So when I have no other options, then we, ha- then we could be justified. Right. Okay. Russ, thank you for coming out and sharing your knowledge about criminal law. Hopefully, I won't ever have to use you. Hopefully, none of my friends have to use you. But if I ever had a friend who needed to use you, right? Um, how would they actually get a hold of you?
1: Well, if your friend has a legal problem and needs to get in touch with me, I work for Davis Miles McGuire Law Firm. Uh, our phone number is 480 733 6800.
0: All right, thank you once again. Uh, Listeners, this has been the podcast, Is That Even Legal? I'm your host, Bob Sewell, and our guest today was Russ Richelsoff. And that's the end of the show. Thank you.